is good, everybody? Welcome into the Mid-State 48, driven by Miracle Auto Group. We are getting ready for week number 10 of high school football in Middle Tennessee. Chris Brooks along for the ride with you guys again for another week of some high school football talk, as well as these guys right here. Scott Burton and Cambry. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing good. Every time I hear that theme song, I want to air guitar it, you know? <laughs> I keep you off camera for that. <laughs> you can go ham. That's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> judging by the weather outside, it, it is that time of year. We're getting close to the playoffs and yep. get, getting colder and getting tighter in a lot of places. So, uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Boy, off the rails within the first you know, minute. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on by a thread here. <laughs> I'm getting older. The muscles are getting tighter. So it's. Including this one, apparently. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's bring it back in. I'm going to bring it back in. Anywho, week 10, back to a full slate of games this week after most of the teams had their fall break last week. So, uh, got a lot to talk about in this show. And I mean a lot because you know, we had some things that happened last week that need to be discussed. A couple of big deals. Classification just got dropped for the next two years. Um, I have a chat with ends with head coach rock batten about their thursday night over against brentwood academy in the next segment and of course we got to pick winners so why don't we just go ahead and dive right in let's check out those ap rankings first and foremost after that short week of week nine it's not a ton of changes as far as movement in and out of the polls although in 6a you did have bradley central and blackman drop out uh, centennial moved up to number five and ravenwood moved up a spot to eighth oakland and king Ridge still one and two what does Beach got to do to get into the top ten? Win this week. <laughs> it, yeah. it's, it's easy now because you know Brentwood is, is right there too with getting some votes. So, yeah, seven and one for the Buccaneers. Uh, the one loss com- coming early on in the season on the road at Farragut, uh, which is in the top ten. So the only losses to a top ten team, uh, and they've pretty well handled everybody else. So I, I agree, uh, Beach should definitely be in the top ten. Yeah, they'll have their chance. They got Brentwood, so they can win their way in i believe and should do so if they are to win that game this week it's one of those we'll pick and who you got later on um some of the voters took last week off too because you know only 12 first place votes handed out so something else to keep in mind here uh in 5a nolensville up to number two they moved ahead of mumford over there page is still fourth mount juliet and it's number eight moving up a spot this week springfield just outside the top 10 Sevier county dropping out of that poll Look at 4A real quick. Pearl Cone up one to fourth, Macon County holding at sixth. And DeKalb County tied for 10th with Melrose this week. Yeah, that uh, all four teams in that region uh, that are going to make the playoffs are still in the top 10 this week. Yep. Yep. Uh, another big game. Uh, I don't know if it's this week or next week that uh, Stone plays DeKalb. I believe, that, I believe that's next week. I think they all have those region games next yeah. week. Uh, in 3A, still out in front, East Nashville, number two. Uh, Smith County up one to seventh, and Fairview jumps into the top ten this week. Hey, climbing yeah, was, up the board. Yeah, we knew that Fairview would be making a, you know, they'd be making that late run. Yep. Let's check out 2A real quick as East Robertson's win over Westmoreland didn't get into any movement upwards, but they still hold at number six. And as far as local teams go, of ours, that's it. Westmoreland did not get votes after losing. East Robertson last week. Um, 1A, 
Gordonsville jumps up to that number 10 spot, replacing McEwen. Finally. Finally, <laughs> finally, finally. But how are they not number nine? They beat number nine by 21. I, uh, I guess you're taking that, that uh, six and two mark a little more, a little too seriously. So at loss to Smith County week one, still kind of haunting them a little bit. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how that, that shakes out though. A couple of weeks. Yeah. Those, those brackets are telling the story instead of the polls. And that's all that really matters here. Right. Uh, no changes among any of the division three classes this week. Uh, CPA getting votes in division two, double a, but uh, they're in uni- friendship Christian, almost unanimous number one in single a middle Tennessee Christian third Nashville Christian number five. Lipscomb Academy, a unanimous number one in AA, and FRA is fifth, and NBA, a unanimous number one in AAA with BA and Ensworth fourth and fifth. So you've got those two teams in a top five tangle on Thursday night, which we'll talk to Rock Batten about in just a bit. I feel like they they got those right, I, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. the ones the ones that were taking the week off, the ones that were kind of throwing some screwballs around there the last couple of weeks, <laughs> if you had to ask me. So let's uh, let's uh, name a player of the week, shall we? Let's shout. Right. Player of the week awards are presented as always by Miracle Auto Group and Gallatin, Miracle Ford, Miracle Chrysler, Dodge Jeep, Ram. Make sure and go see the Galvins. Do a lot of good work. Cam knows that very well. I know that very well. Yeah, Scott, we both Scott do. Does, yeah, we Scott own vehicles from Miracle Auto Group. There you yeah, go. Absolutely. There you go. It's f- Extra free advertising. You didn't really know it. Yep. All right. Let's check out our finalists. This Justin Brown from Blackman had six receptions for 164 yards and two scores after that big win over Rockvale. Also had seven total tackles on defense for the Blaze. It's Javon Drake from Laverne. That Thursday night effort against Overton where he had four total touchdowns, two passing, two rushing. In that upset win, he had 20 carries for 115 yards and was 5-7, of seven, passing for 123 yards in that Wolverine victory. Beaches Darius Johnson on the list again, 160 yards and two touchdowns on 13 carries for the Bucks when they won 42-7 at Gallatin. Also had a pick six for, the, for Beach's defense as well. DCA's Ashton Jones, 106 yards rushing, three touchdowns on four carries. Had a two-yard touchdown reception, three tackles on defense, and also had a pick six for the Wildcats as they buried Mount Julie Christian 56-6. Smyrna's Thomas Jones had a kickoff return and a punt return for a touchdown, also caught three passes for 100 yards and a touchdown in their win over Dixon County. Chet Lacks from Pope Prep, a backup quarterback for the Knights, called into play when Kenny Minchie went down earlier this year. 15 of 24 passing, 329 yards, four touchdowns, as Pope Prep got a big win over Knoxville Catholic, 42-35. And Friendship Christmas Tyson Wolcott, 213 yards rushing, three TDs on 20 carries, also had four tackles for the Commanders in their win at East Hamilton. So, fans, who did you guys vote for? Well, voting's in, and you guys said it was Chet Lax. So the Knights signal caller gets the fans' vote this week. Tom Duggan also casting his vote for Chet Lax. Cam, you went with Chet Lax as well. I did. It's real simple, guys. Uh, you mentioned the word backup quarterback. Uh, anytime a quarterback can come off the bench uh, behind a guy like Kenny Minchie and go for 329 and, and uh, uh, three touchdowns, four touchdowns, uh, you know, and they needed every bit of them uh, on the road at Knox Catholic. Uh, just an unbelievable performance by a backup quarterback in Chet Lacks. Um, 
he was it's undeniable to give it to him this week. Scott, you went with Javon Drake. Yeah, I thought that uh, you know against that Overton squad, uh, they needed every bit of uh, what Javon Drake brought. Uh, he he threw passes on the money. Uh, it it finally was able to get their run game going, and then you know of course yeah you know, he was just all the, all the offense, and without him, uh, they don't win that game. It was a great performance on Drake. We were both over there on last Thursday night, so definitely see him getting a vote there. Uh, I did go with Chet Lax, though. Um, the way he has stepped into duty for the Knights with, with Kenny Minchie out of the lineup, you know, and it, it's kind of stabilized things for them. They've, they've taken a couple of losses, but, you know, that offense is going to need him to keep performing at that level in order to have any shot in the playoffs, and that's a good precursor of what may be to come for the Knights. So Chet Lax. Hope Prep quarterback is our Miracle Auto Group player of the week for week number nine. Congratulations to Chet Lax. We will get some hardware over to you very, very soon. That is it for our player of the week. Now let's hear a word from those fine folks at Miracle Auto Group. Hi, everyone. It's Jim Galvin, Miracle Ford. Great news beginning now. When you need service, we can come to you. I think this program is great because as a college student who doesn't have time to go anywhere or do anything, uh, this program really helped me just to get my car worked on. I could stay in work and continue to do my job. It's convenient. It's super quick, um, not expensive at all. So it's a great program. I really recommend it. Just give it a check out. Are you ready for the I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check that out because I'm about due for an oil change, and that uh, that looks awfully convenient. There you go. Well, some news dropping before we went on the air today about the classifications for the next couple of seasons. So why don't we go ahead and take a look at those details now? Uh, TWSWA released those numbers on Tuesday for each for each school. Uh, the 20th day of the school year. They were the numbers that they used for. Those numbers in Division One, there is no change. It's, it's six even classifications based on those enrollments. Division Two had defined enrollments where those schools went into a, a several, depending on what number they fell out of to get those three classifications. Um, for the next two years, the state is going to set the region schedules. That's a change from previous seasons that we didn't know that was going to happen. Every school will play a game, region game week 11. That was just found out today. Um, and as you see, the classes that will play Week 11 games on Thursday next year, 1A, 3A, 5A, and Single A and Triple A in Division Two, they will play Thursday night of Week 11 next year. And then in 2024, they'll play on Friday. The other classes will play on Friday next year and then on Thursday in two years' time. So they're kind of trying to make it where A – there's no rest advantage within classifications from week 11 to the postseason. They all have to play the same night. And B, the official shortage obviously is still an issue because if it wasn't, they wouldn't be doing this. Right. That tells us that we're looking at Thursday games again next year, uh, that the plan uh, that they, you know, the test that they did this year, uh, you know, is working for them. So that's a good plan. I, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, it's, it's good to think ahead like that about making sure that everybody's on equal footing. Yeah, and in theory, I guess you would have your better officiating crews with the games that matter the most, obviously. Um, 
you could debate and discuss fish all you want to. So we're not going to do that here. <laughs> um, but I totally see what they're getting with this, and uh, hopefully that'll work out pretty well for them. Um, some dates of note. Uh, next Monday, October 24th, schools have to declare whether they're going to play up in classification. We will know after then. Teams like Pearl Cone that played up before have to let them know by Monday if they're going to do so again. Um, the region alignments will be determined and posted on or before November 10th, which is a week before that border control meeting on the 17th. There, schools that are not happy with their place, they can appeal to the state, and those appeals will be heard at that time. After that, on the 21st of November at 1 p.m. Central Time, the region schedules will be posted to the TWSWA web website, and then teams can start scheduling non-region games after that point. So those are the dates to keep in mind going forward over the next month as far as the classification for the next two seasons is concerned. Guys, I want to bring you back in for just a second. Uh, what stands out to you among uh, about this plan so far that you've seen? Go ahead, Scott. Well, uh, just looking at some of the numbers, uh, and uh, I know that it's premature to look at who's affected and who's not because, like you said, uh, we have uh, uh, appeals and, and plans to move forward. But, you know, there's some shuffling around in Sumner County that looks interesting uh, that could be. And, of course, you know, the, the question is going to be once those are uh, once they go through uh, who's going to play up, who's going to play down, uh, what uh, Division II uh, AAA is going to look like. Um, because there's, there's a little bit of drama there in uh, the number of teams that could be at that level versus the teams that are now. Yeah, to me, it's going to be really interesting uh, not only to see the region alignments uh, in a couple of the classifications uh, due to, uh, you know, if things stay the way they are right now, with you know, we don't know who's playing up or whatnot yet. Um, but if they stay the way they are now, some classifications will be a little bit more west heavy than east heavy. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how those regions align. Another thing is, will there be any issues with the uh, TWSAA doing the region schedules? Uh, the reason why I say that is you have a lot of schools, especially on the smaller side, that are used to five and 16 regions where they play normal rival games of county uh, you know, county border games uh, where they're not in the same region uh, with with TWSWA making those schedules now, will that affect some of those county games uh, in, in the scheduling of, of those games and will it prevent some of those games uh, is the gist of it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm still wondering if uh, we're going to be where we were this year looking at some of these regions and going, what? I mean, you know, will that change, you know, or is somebody going to travel to Sparta from, you know, you know, west, you know, west yeah. of 65? Yeah. Me and Chris was talking about it earlier and, uh, you know, you have possibilities if they try to just basically base it off of the regions that, that we are coming from this year, uh, you know, by the time that you add and subtract and everything, you could have a matchup like in two, you might have Harpeth going to Cannon County. And, you know, that is, that's a crazy travel distance uh, for a region game. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do with the regions. 
Yeah, let's look at some of these teams that have notably moved one way or another. We'll start with the ones that moved up. Those three Wilson County schools going from 5A to 6A should help Lebanon because they'll have some rivals close by instead of that five-teamer that they were in this year and last. Um, White House goes from 3A to 4A, and then Whites Creek and Watertown go from 2A to 3A and, and from one region to possibly being in the same region again, depending on how that shakes out. And, and like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how those regions do get aligned because you know, yeah. pulling Watertown out of 2A uh, could shake some things up. Yeah. Uh, well, to clarify to our viewers, uh, this is moved up right now. This is not playing up. So they will be in these classifications unless they choose to play up. One team on this list of teams that have moved up uh, that I fully expect to play up, and that is Watertown. I fully expect Watertown to play up into 4A uh, to be uh, paired in that region with Macon County and Upperman and DeKalb County, more geographical sense uh, for Watertown to do that. Yep. Yeah. And Pearl Cone, another one of those. They played up in the last, last go-around. I, I think they'll do that again this time around if, if the opportunity presents itself. You know, those teams moving down Beach and Hendersonville – in five, going down to 5A from 6A, Centennial would, would likely be in with Page and Nolansville as far as those 5A teams go. Dixon County, probably in that same group. Uh, Station Camp down to 4A. Uh, and Pearl Cone right now at 3A, but again, I, I think they'll move up as well. Smith County and Cannon County dropping down to 2A. You know, it could be interesting for those two programs. Absolutely. And then you, uh, look at, you look at Division II AA. I want to mention that real quick because – Answorth and Brentwood Academy have traditionally played up, and their numbers are lower than several teams in Division II AA. After I kind of looked at the numbers when they were first put out there, and if you took the teams from Answorth Academy and Brentwood Academy's enrollments up and put them in AAA, you would have a very solid 16 to 18 team classification for AAA. But most of them are not going to do that. Yeah, one one thing that I would like to see, I don't know whether it would be in their best interest or not, but I would love to see uh, Lipscomb Academy move up into into AAA, yeah. uh, decide to play up, because it would be really interesting to see uh, a matchup between them and NBA and and see them play at that level, which is the the top level. Of, totally agree uh, with that. Yeah, and, and not just for those matchups, for the ability to schedule locally too, because – Yep. They've had way too many out-of-state games for for my liking, honestly. Um, you know, you'd have NBA local, you'd have Brentwood Academy and Answorth local, you'd have Father Ryan local, you'd have Hope Prep local. It, it, their schedule would improve locally by a lot, and, and less headache on the on the staff and the coaches and everything. Because, like you said, you can find games. I mean, right now uh, they're having to you know they're having to manufacture games. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one of the one of the other things, and I don't know, you know, you guys tell me uh, what this does to Galton. Galton stays at six A, but they, but uh, Beach and Hendersonville uh, go down to five A. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see where Galton winds up. I uh, think you may see a new region formed in six A. Uh, that would include Galton, Green Hill, Mount Juliet, Wilson Central, and Lebanon. Yeah, it could be a lot of the old non AAA coming back together with that grouping. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. Because I mean, that would that would be five right there 
that would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. So, but then again, we're sitting here talking about sense, and we know that the state doesn't <laughs> have it. Yeah, yeah. Since we were talking before, uh, Chris, sense would be going back to the way they had it when it was correct, and that is uh, five uh, Division One classifications and two Division Two classifications. Totally, agree. that would solve all the problems. Totally agree. Amen to that. And you know, we can dream about it, but uh, you know, if they do that, those ticket prices are also going to go up too. So I guess I guess we're going twenty 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 five, right? Yeah, right. That's what, that's what we're shooting for with that one. We can we can think about that, and and they are supposed yeah. to discuss it again soon. But uh, yeah, the the question is, is how many new schools are we going to have? Because we already have a new one coming in in Clarksville. The discussions of at least two more coming in in the next uh, in the next two years. So uh, as Nashville continues to grow, these classifications are just going to grow. Yeah. yeah and, one thing that was a little shocking to to read and look at. Uh, 6A, they have class, uh, class 6A. There's a 1,300-kid difference between the smallest 6A school and the largest 6A school, while there's only a 400-kid difference between the smallest 5A and the largest 5A. So they wanted to cut down those differences, and it appears that they did not. Yeah, I, I'm a, I don't know that there's a good way to do it, unfortunately, because of the, some of the sizes of these schools. I mean, it's just a number standpoint at that, that situation. Um, how do you do it? I mean, you, you have a handful of schools with over 2,000 kids. You, know, you can't put them in their own class. There's just no, there's just no good way to, to balance that out. Unfortunately, or you go back five classifications, yeah, and, you, yeah. and you know you you take you know six A would basically stay the exact same, uh, and would be five A, and then. You know, five A would pretty much split with four A. That would yeah, that would account for a lot of the difference. Yeah, I mean that's something that needs to be discussed for sure. And a lot a lot of fans around here are screaming about it. And honestly, we'd love to see it. But those are those are things that are going to come around in the next couple of weeks, and as far as how those regions shake out for the next two years, anyway. All right, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, I will have a chat with Answorth head coach Rock Batten. This is the Mid-State 48, powered by Miracle Auto Group. We're back in a moment. Obviously, want to thank Coach Batten for hopping on with us this week and uh, talking some ball and getting ready for Thursday night, the big one over there at Ensworth. Something that we saw last week, Scott, both you and I and Cam, you too, we all saw two similar plays that could have ended a lot worse than they did. Uh, we, Of course, our games were both in Sumner County. Scott, you had yours at Gallatin, mine at Westmoreland. I'm going to show this play from the Gallatin game with quarterback Luke Cook and, and what obviously got him knocked out of the game real quick. We'll show that play to you real quick. It's outside here on the scramble. Heads out of bounds. It's hit and driven into that brick wall. It's a, it's a late hit, and it was flagged as such. But I, but, but 
but it wasn't a malicious late hit. I, yeah. I truly believe that uh, Luke Cook, uh, he decelerated, um, and the you know defensive player was was coming full speed, and it's a there's a very limited area there between the sideline and the brick wall. And so it's unfortunate um, that, uh, you know, yes, was he hit late? Yes, but it, it wasn't malicious and, and it wasn't intentional uh, in my in my view. It was just uh, unfortunate because, you know, when a player checks up like that and you're coming at him, then you're, you're going to run through him. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. That's not the story, though, the late hit. What we're talking about is uh, safe sideline distances. Uh, Chris, tell me what you saw at uh, at West Warner camp. Yeah, I, I know that there was an East Robertson player that got knocked out of bounds at Westmoreland and into a chain link fence that was right behind the visitor sideline. Yeah, if if anybody's ever been to Westmoreland, uh, Westmoreland's field, um, it is disport. It's not proportional. Uh, the home sideline uh, has a pretty good distance between, you know, the get back line and the fence uh, and the bleachers. Uh, the visitor sideline does not. If you say you had a, a team like Lebanon went played Westmoreland, all their kids would not be able to stand on the sideline, uh, which is not safe. You know, it's the fence. It, I 100% agree with having a fence to keep the spectators out and the players in. I'm 100%. That's not the point here. The point is you have to have enough room between the playing surface and the fence to protect the kids. You know, we talk about uh, all these rules changes that's going on in the high school, college, and pro level about protecting players. Uh, I believe that it is important that we not only do so uh, with restraints on hitting, but also with our conditions around our field environment. Um, you know, two instances this week, both in Sumner County, but it happens in more than just Sumner County, guys. Um, personally, I wouldn't mind seeing like a track distance between the uh, players and the fence or the stands. Well, you know, looking, uh, you know, looking at uh, trying to see if there was a regulation uh, for this, and there, there's really not because, I mean, even in the college, uh, Oklahoma State is well known for having a very narrow sideline and they've had players injured before. In fact, it's become so much so that it's actually a, a tactical advantage for, for Oklahoma State. But um, the American Society of Testing Materials uh, stated the following in their natural and artificial playing fields, char characteristics and safety features. Um, the first one was that uh, sidelines shouldn't have any permanent markers or pylons. So they don't have that. Yeah, everybody has replaced their flags and everything else like that. So there's no trip hazards there. But the second one is that the sidelines should have players' benches no closer than 6.1 meters or 20 feet. Benches no more than 20 feet. That's 20 feet that at least to a bench from the sideline. The third part is that the sideline should have equipment, refreshment, and emergency equipment no closer than 30 feet. So you're talking about recommendations of at least 30 feet of uh, distance between the sideline and any of that equipment, which means that the barrier needs to really be beyond that. The fence needs to be beyond that, so 35 feet. Now, I realize that, you know, this is going to 
this is a costly thing. You know, stadiums cost money. Um, but I think it, TWSAA needs to take the lead in looking at a regulation for for this. Look at a regulation for this and then provide guidelines for it and a timeline for it so that they give small because not everybody can not every county can afford a new field so they you've got to allow a timeline for it um and then after the timeline and you after you designate you know that way everybody can work towards it in a in a certain timeline because what's going to happen eventually is you're going to have somebody slam into one of these sideline brick walls or into a post holding up a fence and somebody's going to break their neck. And then you're going to be facing like the study that I looked at, which was a $47 million judgment for a kid that unfortunately is a quadriplegic because he hit a post in the out of bounds area. Yeah. Again, we're not harping on, we're not harping on the schools themselves, guys. It's out of their control. Uh, TWSAA has to take the lead here, and we are the whole stance on this is not about going against the schools. It's about player safety, guys. It's all about player safety. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I, you know, the schools need help. The schools need guidance on this, and then you know, at, or at least a study to understand. And if and if moving the fence back is is not an option, we have to look at other options. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it, you know, I don't know how much padding would help. I don't know that it would, because you know, when you're talking about moving that fast to stop that quickly, I don't know. And I'm not an expert, but it's something that I think TWSAA needs to review and needs to do it sooner than later. It, it, there's a lot of these stadiums that are older, obviously, that, that have this situation, that don't have a track around them or have just been there for a long time. Now, I, I look at a, a school like Springfield, for instance, that had a similar situation at its old field before it moved to their new complex just a few short years ago. Um, they They were obviously fortunate enough to get a new field over at the school, but they played at Boy Smith Field for a long time. Schools like Westmoreland, like Macon County, like Gordonsville, like Gallatin that don't have uh, either are not on campus or are very old stadiums that don't have a lot of infrastructure available to move things around. You know, they've, they've got to take a long, hard look at this because it's only going to take one player getting severely injured for this to finally spark some change. I'm not against these old stadiums. Don't get me wrong here. But is it worth it to have the stance that close to the field? I don't think it is. I really don't. And, you know, in Gallatin's case, it's a brick wall. It's a brick wall that is not going to give like a chain link fence does. Yeah, and that's one of the and older that, stadiums in our area. And and that's not – and, and again – this is not a knock on Gallatin, no. their football team, or their school. It's what they're provided. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's it's what. Yeah, you know, and I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying that, like, I'm just you know, to Chris's point. 
you better be thinking about it now and planning for it now because eventually it's it's going to create a problem yeah and just looking back at that clip because the way the players are now they're bigger they're stronger they're faster you know it just it's only going to take one bad instance to really spark a lot of change and these conversations have got to start happening now i i get the idea of having that nostalgia and having a, a traditional a classic stadium and the environment it provides we got to weigh that against the, the safety of the players first and foremost, because let's face it, these are still high school kids. This is still high school football. High schools are responsible for those kids' safety. And anybody that has this attitude of suck it up, buttercup, or whatever, had better remember that. Especially if they're involved in high school sports. It's a shame. But you know, hopefully those incidents can shed a light on what's going on with these stadiums and and maybe get the conversations going in the right direction because let's it just needs to happen yeah all right enough on those sobering notes let's uh let's take one more quick break and then we will get into who you got and pick some winners this is the mid-state 48 powered by miracle auto group we're back in just a moment All right, it is that time of the week again for us to pick some winners. It is who you got. Police standings up and look at week nine real quick. Uh, one quick note here. Uh, there was an issue with the fan voting last week. And so with that said, I just went ahead and gave them my record to kind of be sort of pseudo fair to them. So. They got nine and one as well as I did. And it's still pretty tight at, at the top. Cam's three games back, and Scott's tied with him again after last week. So uh, I, I can't seem to get away from these guys. <laughs> Let's go back over those week nine picks real quick and see where we went wrong. Well, we went wrong on Thursday night. All of us did. Yep. Laverne kept me from a perfect week. Reggie lost on Thursday with his, his White's Creek pick and then also lost the Rockville pick to, to Blackman. He's a rebel. <laughs> we were split on Portland Station Camp, and the Portland side lost. Reggie dropped Siegel against Stewart's Creek, and half of us went with Westmoreland and the other half East Robertson. So that's how week nine turned out. But uh, mostly good numbers all around. As for our overall, uh, overall picks for the year, well, you know, losing two, three, four games a week isn't bad at all. So kudos to Everybody Gus, 24 and four, and I still lost two games to you. Well, it is what it is, Scott. It is what it is. Well, if it wasn't, what would it be? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into week 10, shall we? Thursday night, we've got Smyrna McGavick, and here goes Reggie again with those upset picks. He's taking the Raiders over, over Smyrna, and the rest of us are on the Bulldogs. Yeah, I think this is a tough, uh, tough game for McGavick. It's another tough defense, uh, but I think Smyrna's offense here is going to be able to put some points on the board uh, against McGavick, and and that defense is going to uh, do a lot to to shut down that McGavick offense. I yeah, I really like the back half of that uh, Smyrna defense. I also look for Aaron Carter to have a big game. I think that Smyrna defense puts points on the board. Because they've been doing that as of late several times yep. in the last month or so. 
Brentwood at Beach, and arguably what I thought was the toughest game to pick this week. I did side with the Buccaneers at home, and so did everybody else. But uh, this was one of the tough. It's one of the better games of this week, even though it's not a region game. It yeah. is. Uh, go ahead, Scott. No, no, no. You go. You go. Uh, it is one of the most uh, overlooked games of the week for sure, uh, as both of these teams have been overlooked uh, throughout the season. But uh, I believe that the sleeping giant comes out this week. I, I like Beach uh, to win by a couple scores at least. Uh, you know, before we came on the air, I was telling you, Chris, they are just cool, calm, collected. They got more than one guy that can tote to rock. They got more, more than one guy that can carry the load and, and perform every week, and their defense is really good. Same thing with Brentwood. Beach's offense is a little bit more proven than Brentwood's, so I like Beach. Well, Bronco Hanks told us last week that they had this game circled, that they wanted uh, they, this was a revenge game for them. And uh, I agree with Cam. I think these are two top-notch defenses. So now you got to look at the offense. Which offense is most likely to break away? Well, give me Darius Johnson and uh, and his breakaway speed. That's why I picked Beach. I, I do believe that defense travels, and I was very close to picking Brent one of this game. I could reasonably see this as a playoff preview now given that this could only happen in the semifinals the way the western half of 6a is shaking out right now these two teams could end up there given all that's happened in the second half of the season just never know green hill station camp a key game in 5a for the hawks anyway to ensure a playoff spot and, and this is really station camp's last stand they've got to have this one um reggie does side with the bison but the rest of us are on the hawks Big win last week for uh, Station Camp over Portland is try to get pretty much get things righted. Uh, Green Hill, you know, both both of these teams kind of they both Green Hill needs it. Station Camp's got to have it. Uh, so it, it I wouldn't be surprised if the Bison pull out every trick in the book to try to get a win. I just don't like Green Hill to get it done and set up that huge game next week with Mount Juliet. Well. Station Camp has some tremendous linebackers in Sanders Ellis and Fisher Pine, and that has done a, a number on rushing games. I think the key to this game is going to be Caleb Carver. Um, you know, he can score from anywhere. They've got to get uh, – Green Hill's got to get the ball out in space to him. But I think that this game is probably really close, maybe a one-score game, and I think the difference, uh, the difference in this game is Caleb Carver. Uh, if they kick to him – They'll regret it. I'm kind of on the opposite side of that just a little bit because I don't know that Green Hill wants this to be a one-score game because they have not fared nearly as well in close games as they did last year. They would like to arguably put this away by a couple of scores or more, but uh, we'll, we'll see about that. I did pick the Hawks anyway. Independence at Page. This one was one that uh, Page lost last year while they were cruising on the way to a playoff berth, they would like to get some revenge on the Eagles from Independence. Scott, you've taken the Eagles, and the rest of us are on the Patriots, so I'll let you start it. Yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, Independence, for all their being snake bit by injuries, uh, they've played a really tough schedule. I, uh, I This was a very, very tough game for me to call. Uh, I know Paige has had a uh, week to recharge and reflect, um, but I think the Eagles are going to do just enough to, to win this game. Um, I look for them to, to throw and throw often. 
Yeah, if the Eagles are to be victorious, it's going to be because of Brooks Sapone uh, and what he's able to do on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, not knocking Trey Hartwell at all as he's a great running back, but uh, I just like this Page team to, to rebound after that Nolansville loss. Uh, real senior heavy team with uh, Max Collins, uh, Colin Hurd, um, the uh, Boy Smith, uh, you know, they showed up against Nolansville. They just had a couple things steamroll them, you know, late in that game that led uh, the Knights to vic- victory. Uh, this should be a good ball game, but I like the Patriots. Yeah, I like the Page defense and the way they handled the run against Nolansville. Uh, Samson Johnson did not get going all that well until the very end of the game. Um, Independence will feed Trey Hartwell and tra- feed him a lot. So I, I expect that to be kind of a lower scoring game here. Uh, a lot like the way Independence and Centennial played early in the season. Hopefully they won't get cut down by storms and have to play on Saturday. But I do think that the Independence will keep this very close. But I do like Page's ability to throw the ball just a little bit better with Colin Hurd, a quarterback there. I, I'm taking the Patriots there. Lipscomb Academy at CPA. Now, this game was not all that intriguing until a couple of weeks ago when CPA knocked off Oakland and raised some eyebrows around the area, including those over there down the road at Lipscomb. It didn't raise ours enough. We all go on the Mustangs this week. Uh, Cam, why don't you start us off? Yeah. It... Great performance a couple of weeks ago by CPA over Oakland. Uh, but as you said, uh, it definitely – Got everybody where everybody was kind of like, ah, Lipscomb's going to walk the dog the rest of the year. Uh, I believe that uh, that win for CPA definitely got uh, Coach Dilfer and this uh, Mustang team refocused on the CPA team as uh, they met twice last year, uh, once in the regular season and then once for the gold ball in December. Um, Just too much offense is what it comes down to for me. Uh, CPA's got a great defense. They they beat – Oakland with physicality. Uh, Lipscomb's more of a finesse team. Uh, I think CPA's going to have a hard time scoring as well. Uh, I like Lipscomb. Well, you talked about offense. I want to talk about defense for Lipscomb right now. You know, they're only giving up 6.5 points per game. They're allowing only 25% of third down conversions. They're giving up 2.2 yards per rush. Only allowed three rushing scores on the year. Um, they are plus 10 on turnovers. They have 13 and a half sacks. Uh, you know, Edwin Spillman, 65.5 tackles. Brian Longwell has four and a half sacks. I mean, this team is absolutely loaded on defense. And, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in the battle between London Humphreys and Caleb Beasley. I think that's going to be a, a battle for the ages. I just think that Lipscomb just has too much for CPA. Uh, defensively in this game. Lipscomb Academy has a little bit of history of Buck, too, because with this game being at CPA, they have not won at CPA since 2009. It's been a while. So something else that they can check off that box. Uh, Yeah, Lipscomb Academy's defense is the reason I've got them winning this game, but I don't know that they will win it by all that much. CPA has definitely improved in the second half of the season after that slow start that they've had. Uh, but I do like Lipscomb Academy to to win that game somewhat convincingly. Yeah, if, if CPA is to keep it close and have a chance to win it, the rushing game with Cruz Law and being able to control the clock is going to be the difference. Yep, yep. Totally agree with that. 
On to page two, it's Macon County and Smith County. This is a non-region game in theory, but for all intents and purposes, it's a region game for the Tigers because the way region 4-4-A is shaking out right now, that total wins tiebreaker is going to come into play. They've got to win this game to have any shot of keeping that region title in sight. We are all taking the Tigers, however, to win in Carthage. Uh, Scott, why don't you start us? Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, this is our fan game of the week, uh, Macon County at Smith County. I'm looking forward to this matchup. It's really size versus speed. Um, you know, you got Gabe Borders, uh, you know, the all-around straw, straw that stirs a drink. Uh, he, he can score from anywhere. He can put six on you from the ticket booth. I mean, absolutely, you know, stellar, stellar kid. Uh, and defensively, they're tough. But uh, Smith County is, is big, country big. I mean, they are they are stout. It's really going to be interesting. I just think Macon has a little too much firepower, uh, and that it's you know that they're going to be able to move the ball with Kyle Shockley, uh, you know, and and get out in front and uh, and and stay there. Yeah, there's one word that comes to mind uh, when I think of this matchup, guys, and it is it's a very strong word, but I think it's accurate. Hate. These two teams hate each other. These two counties hate each other. Uh, it, and it stems from a long time ago. Uh, kind of a funny backstory to this one, though. Uh, coach Dyer graduated from Smith County. His dad was assistant coach at Macon County when he graduated. Coach Dyer gets his start coaching at Macon County. Uh, now the head coach at Smith County, so that's a pretty interesting backstory to go along with this week. Uh, but you hit it right on right on the head, Scott. Uh, Gay Borders is a difference maker in this one. Uh, I really like the freshman quarterback for Smith County, and I love their size. But uh, if it comes down to it, I just think Macon can outscore them. Another thing to really look at here is their next game. Smith County has that game against East Nashville Week Eleven. Macon County has a game they can win with their backups in against Cumberland County. The Tigers probably will just empty the tank here and give it everything they've got to win it, given that a region title is in sight. And I, I see Macon County winning just kind of for that reason, because this is it for them. If they lose this game, they're not winning the region unless something insanely crazy happens week 11. But well, here's the thing. Not only a loss from the Tigers, would not only cost them possibly cost them a region championship, it cost them a home playoff game. Yeah. They don't finish second if they don't win it. They drop all the way to third. They would they would need to have Upperman and Stoneman both lose next week. For right, man, that's unlikely. That be, yeah, that's very unlikely. So Tigers will empty the tank this week, and I like them to get the win because of it. On to the next one, Portland at Springfield. Portland's still unbeaten in region play. Springfield dropped one to Henry County a couple of weeks ago. But we like the Yellow Jackets to get back on track here as we've all taken Springfield in this one. Scott? If Devin Crenshaw's back, that's going to be the key. I think that Portland, I think Portland could stay, will stay with them if Devin Crenshaw and as much of a, a part of that offense as he is. If he doesn't play, Portland, Portland has a really good chance of, of winning this game. But with Devin Crenshaw in there in uh, for Springfield, it is a very, very different offense uh, with him in there. And I, I just think that'll be the difference right there. I definitely think that that's accurate. If Crenshaw plays, I, I like Springfield pretty comfortably, honestly. 
Uh, if he don't play, though, I believe the defense for Springfield and the athletes that they have, uh, Camarion Flair and a couple of the other ones, uh, are good enough to beat Portland. Yeah, I agree with that, Cam. I'll, I'll second that sentiment. Ravenwood at Poe Prep, it's a – it's kind of a story of two teams in similar directions. They both had a stud quarterback start the year. Both their quarterbacks got hurt. Now they're playing with backup signal callers in a game that uh, still has a lot of skill. It just doesn't have a lot of luster with those quarterbacks out. We're kind of split here as Tom and Reggie are on Ravenwood, and the rest of us are on Pope Prep. Well, unfortunately, Tom's not with on the show this evening, so um, I'll take this one. I'm going with Pope Prep simply because I think the skill players for the Knights – are just a little bit better on the outside. There's still a lot of talent with, with, the, with Elijah Robb in the backfield, Josh Maylander, and, and what Chet Lax has to throw to. And the reason Chet Lax is our player of the week is because of his development and the big game he had last week. Ravenwood's going to put up one heck of a fight, and their defense is pretty good. So I expect this to kind of still be a lower-scoring game. But the Knights do have enough power power to take advantage of any mistakes Ravenwood makes. Yeah, I like the I like the defensive backs of uh, Pope Prep, uh, Josh Maylander. Uh, uh, you know, he he's uh, he's a difference maker back there. I th- I agree with you. I think the development of Chet Lax is the story here. Uh, before we saw what he could do last week, I probably would have leaned towards Ravenwood. They would have they're going to have to have a big big night. And I don't even know if their backup uh, Cartua Chapman if he's back. Uh, this game because he went out late in the in their last game, um, so you know their running game is going to have to carry them. I just think Pope Prep has too much firepower for the Raptors. Yeah, talking about taking uh, air out of a balloon, man. You you know preseason, you know a lot of people would have been looking at this one saying that's Kenny Minchie versus Chris Parson, and then here we are. <laughs> you know the way high school football and any football goes. Uh, injuries have happened. I, I will second what you said, Scott. Uh, if it wasn't for Chet Lax's performance last week against Knoxville Catholic, I'm probably going Ravenwood in this game. Uh, and solely because of they, if Ravenwood wins this game, I can tell you why Tom picked them is because of, of Carter Pace and that rushing attack. Uh, but with the surgence of uh, Chet Lax, I think Pope Prep outscores Ravenwood. This should still be a pretty good game despite the star power being missing from it, but it just won't have the luster that it once would have. Cam, you're spot on about that. Riverdale at East Nashville. Now, this one is another one of those non-region games that has some intrigue to it because it's a 3A East Nashville team against a 6A Riverdale team. And, Scott, you're on Riverdale as long as well as, well as Reggie, but the rest of us are taking the Eagles. Why don't you start us off? Well, I, I just I like Riverdale in this game because of one their depth and two their um, I think that East Nashville is is really the game after this is the game for them the Smith County game they can't the, Riverdale's defense is tough and I don't expect East Nashville to fold but let me tell you if Riverdale gets out and it gets to be a physical game I don't know if East Nashville wants to wants to uh, to risk anything. Uh, going into the going into the playoffs, I, I just think that. Also, I think this is that this is Riverdale's chance to to really flex. It is Riverdale's chance to prove that they're still Riverdale. Uh, however, East Nashville has been on a mission this year, uh, and that's why I like the Eagles to to get it done at home. 
uh, and really continue to build that momentum into the big game next week against Smith County. This one was one that River, East Nashville had circled from last year, just like all the others that they lost from last year, and they've taken care of business in all of those. The way that East Nashville has played in all of those games, they've not been close. They've whipped everybody they've, they've had to get revenge on. I don't know that they whip Riverdale, but the way East Nashville has played lately, I'm not picking against them until further notice. I, I'm going East Nashville for now and the foreseeable future. That leads us to our spotlight game with Brentwood Academy and Ensworth on Thursday night. We talked to Coach Batten about that one a little earlier in this show. And we have Brentwood Academy across the board, except for Reggie. I wonder why that might be. Hmm. Well, let's let's see what Reggie has up his sleeve this week. The Prognosticat, Reggie, release the cat. Here he comes. He's stepping around. He's made his pick. And he has picked the Tigers. That was swift and decisive. Something about the feline family, man. And, and he hates birds. <laughs> listen, listen. You know, the the way he has been with these cat picks this this year, can we change our pick? Is it too late to do that? Because <laughs> no. I'm a little concerned now. <laughs> he might want something again. He may he may do it. Uh I tell you, it, it was tough for me it uh to make a decision here. Um, you know. Contrary to popular belief, I did not consult him, as you can tell. <laughs> but uh, you know, I know some people think that I, you know, that I talk to the cat, and I do, but not about picks. Yep. Uh, we talk about politics. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, when it came down to it, I it it just came down to the defense of Brentwood Academy. In, in my yeah, that to me because I think both offenses are stellar. I think they both uh, they both have good quarterbacks. They both have good running backs. So I had to look at the defense, and I just think Brentwood's defense is just a hair better than uh, than Ensworth's, and I think that that'll make the difference. Yeah, I think uh, you're pretty spot on with both teams having good defense, uh, good offenses. Um, the player to me, the reason why I picked uh, BA in this game, George McIntyre. Uh, you know, Deuce Scott has been the guy for them this year, but George McIntyre is quietly sliding under the radar. He's quietly sliding under the radar for casual fans, but anybody that knows he's committed to Tennessee, I'm pretty sure. I know he at least has an offer from Tennessee. Uh, as a sophomore, he was on campus on Saturday for the big win over Alabama. Um, this BA team is going, if they don't, show it in the playoffs next year they're going to be a pass first team george mcintyre is the difference in this ball game he gets it done and brentwood academy wins a close game to me the pressure is squarely on ensworth's defense to get deuce scott on the ground and if they don't get him down quickly he's going to wear them down as this game goes on if he gets 20 to 25 carries that's a good thing for brentwood academy if he doesn't then that means ba's behind so 
you Scott, to me, I think that the magic number is 20. He gets 20 carries. Brentwood Academy should be in good shape. All right, let's go back over these over these picks real quick before we get out of here for this week. Smyrna McGavick. Reggie's on McGavick. The rest of us are on the Bulldogs. Brentwood at Beach. We've all taken the Buccaneers. Uh, Green Hill and Station Camp. Reggie has the Bison. The rest of us are on the Hawks. Scott's got Independence over Page. The rest of us have the Patriots. We are all in Lipscomb Academy over CPA. We've all picked Macon County and Springfield to win their respective games. Tom and Reggie have, Rage, have Ravenwood over Pope Prep. The rest of us are on the Knights. Uh, Scott and Reggie have Riverdale over East Nashville. The rest of us are riding with the Eagles. And speaking of Eagles, four out of five of us have Brentwood Academy. Reggie is going with the Tigers of Ensworth. And that is that for who you got. Before we get out of here, uh, guys, let's go with one more word from, all, from both of you. Uh, Scott, why don't you start us? Well, if you see behind me, you'll see uh, – You'll see these the Mid-State 48 shirts. Um, you can see this side uh, over here. Oh, nope, over here. Uh, can't ever get that right. How will you spend your 48? This one's got the 48 minutes. This is the back of it, 48 minutes of grit, pain, effort, 48 minutes of victory. Uh, these are uh, made by the Scent Shack, and uh, they uh, are 25 apiece if you're interested in purchasing them. They come in uh, the sport gray, a dark gray, and a sand. Um, but the, the main reason that uh, I'm bringing, the, uh, bringing this up to you, besides the fact that you can purchase those, is that uh, Sense Shack is also a new sponsor for us. Actually, they, they were, they're a, not a new sponsor. They sponsored us last year, but they're on board again for this year. So like all our sponsors, the Galvins with Miracle Ford, uh, Innovate Medical, Gas Tight. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, gallery over here was trying to remind me of somebody. Who? Fifth Gear. Thank you. Fifth Gear Technology Concepts. Thank you. I had that written down. Uh, I was trying to go off my head. But uh, all these people, make sure that you, you go to their websites. Make sure that you buy their products. They support high school uh high school sports and uh, they support us and we would be much appreciated. And if you buy from them, let them know where you, where you heard from. Them. All right. Yeah. And on top of that, I sort of piggybacks off that a little bit. Uh, I had a couple people kind of crack jokes at me about uh, picking that uh, Westmoreland East Robertson game wrong. And they, uh, one person said, I hope they don't pay you very much. And uh, I just thought it was a, would be a nice thing to tell everyone that, uh, guys, none of us get paid on this show. All the money goes back into uh, production and into us going to Chattanooga to cover these state championship games for you guys. Uh, and, again, all that content is free to you guys because our sponsors allow us to do that. Uh, you know, we do not get paid to do this, guys. We do this for the kids and because we love football. Same reason why fans go watch games on Friday nights when they have no affiliation to the school or the players. Uh, you know, on to the next thing for me. Uh, light week last week for us. Guys, it's time. This week, next week, next week really. You know, there's so many big games that have huge playoff implications. Uh, some, you might as well just say the playoffs start next week uh, for a lot of teams. 
Well said, Cam. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned Chattanooga because those state championships aren't very far away. And something that I want to touch on before we get out of here, uh, if you haven't been under a rock the last couple of days, the Titans in the city of Nashville have, have agreed in principle to building a new stadium, a new dome stadium next to where Nissan Stadium is. And it got me thinking that maybe one of these days that the state championships could be back in Nashville. But then I remembered why the city of Nashville hasn't been bidding on these in the last few years in the first place. The way Nashville has grown over the last decade plus, it's become a big event town. And when you're dealing with the Titans, when you're dealing with anything sports-wise in Nashville, you've got to deal with the Sports Authority and, and the Traveler, the Visitors Bureau. My question is, do they think that the high school state championship games are enough of a big event to want to lose hotel rooms for a weekend over that? And the answer I came up with was no. And part of that is because they would rather have a lot of concerts and they would rather have that weekend for concerts or events than to lose those hotel rooms to people who may not use them. And while I would love to see the state championship games in Nashville because a it's close to me. I don't have to travel and what could be able to sleep in my own bed covering those. I'm just not sure Nashville's going to want to bid. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I am, but until they prove otherwise, don't look for these state championship games to be in Nashville anytime soon. I think the Cookville's going to wind up being the host again before too much longer because they outbid Chattanooga last time. If it wasn't for the red tape that they had to go through with their video boards, they would have had the games anyway. So we wouldn't even be going to Chattanooga in the first place. I think we'll be headed back to Cookville for the championship games pretty soon, um, possibly as early as next year. The, the bids are going to be back up again in the spring, and we'll see how those go. But uh, Chattanooga was a great experience. I just don't know that we're going to be going back there beyond 2022, but we'll see. And we will see you guys Saturday morning on the 615 Prep scoreboard because that's all the damage we can do for a week. So why don't we get out of here and tell you to have a great week. Enjoy the football on Thursday and Friday night. We will see you Saturday and right back here at the same time next week. For, for, for Tom Duggan, who couldn't make it this week, unfortunately. For Cam, for Scott, I'm Chris. We're out. We will see you on Saturday morning. Somebody hit Dixie Land Delight. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Take care, everybody.